So I'm going to start today by telling you all a story. So I often travel um, down this country road that leads to Corsicana and then come back to Dallas. And as most of you know, when you are driving on a country road, a thing that you see quite often is the roadkill. And sometimes I drive with my brother and he will make fun of me because I will start counting the roadkill. He's like, can you stop that? There's the third one, the 18th one. There's the 21st thing we see. And he's like, can we do anything else besides you continually counting the roadkill? So on this particular trip, I'm driving by myself and it's, there, it's daylight. Everything's, you know, safe. And I am blasting the music and I am singing my heart out. And you'll only see me sing my heart out when I'm in the car. And I'm singing. And as I'm driving, I see a piece of roadkill. I don't know what it is because there's three vultures that are absolutely attacking whatever this creature was. And as I'm driving, I start thinking, they need to move. Like, I'm getting closer and closer and closer, and they're still eating and eating and eating. And so I'm in my head like, move, you need to move. And as I'm getting even closer, I start like screaming at them, hey, move, you need to move, move out of the way, as if they can hear me. And so finally, two of them fly away. And so I'm like, okay, now I'm really screaming at the last one, move, you need to move. And I'm thinking in that moment, I can't go to the left because I will hit cars and I cannot go to the right because I'll go in a ditch. And then I had a moment where somebody in my life has told me, don't let the animal cause you to have an accident. Just keep on going. So I'm just, I keep on going. (laughs) And as I keep on going there, the vulture finally decides to move and flies up, it hits my license plate, then it hits the windshield, goes over the car, I see it in the rear view mirror, and falls on the back. Mind you, when that moment is happening, it's that surreal experience where everything goes black, and it's just tunneled on the vulture. And when it hit the windshield, I know this sounds ridiculous, I felt like it hit me. I was like, (gasps) and then this whole time, also, I'm screaming. So I'm like, Then when I proceed to stop screaming, my mouth is wide open for at least a minute. I'm just like, and then I was like, I just killed a bird. And so so I call my brother after I compose myself because I'm like, somebody has to hear this story. And he's, of course, making fun of me. Oh, are you going to be one of those people that thinks the spirit animal now is inside of you? Ha ha. And I'm like, it was traumatizing. I was like, I was scared. It felt like it smacked me in the chest. And so I finally was like, Jacob, there's a sermon illustration in this moment. And so I'm not going to equate us to vultures by any means, okay? But how often do we do what this vulture did? It's so focused on whatever it's doing that it's not prepared, it's not alert, it's not aware of what's happening. There's no reason why that vulture should have gotten run over by me. I had no ill intentions to this creature that I so affectionately named Velma the vulture, which my brother then made more fun of me because I named it. But I hit Velma. He's like, you got to get over this now. So I don't know what intellect birds have. 
But I have to believe as the predator and prey situation in the animal kingdom that there's some awareness that when I feel the wind of 70 miles going near me, I should probably move. But it was so just food, 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 eat, eat, eat. And it still didn't even follow its little friends. Like its friends kind of knew to leave. It did not. So that is what we do quite a bit, unfortunately. So what we're going to talk about today is how we need to stay alert We need to stay equipped. So if we look at the definition of the word equipped, which is what I've named our event this morning, it means to supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose, to make ready, to prepare, or to dress. So now looking at it outside of my silly vulture experience, as an English teacher, I have to have the right equipment to do my task. I have to have the right training, the right relationships with students. I have to have those things like markers, sticky notes, a whiteboard, a projector. And this is the same for all of you in whatever profession or whatever it is that you do in your daily life. So if it's your profession, If you're a wife, a mother, a volunteer, even a friend, you have to equip yourself with the right tools, which could be the right mindset, the right attitude, the right words to say, to serve, and to love people effectively. So we must utilize the equipment that God has given us. So what we're going to look at today is Ephesians 6, uh, specifically 10 through 18, which is called the armor of God. And in this a piece of scripture, we see an analogy of a soldier's equipment. And this equipment represents qualities or attributions that we need to have as Christ followers. So we all know that it's very ridiculous for a soldier of any nature, of any time period, to go into battle and not have the right equipment. They would never do that. No one would ever expect them to. That's not what they're trained for. And yet we walk around in our daily lives without the proper equipment needed to be a um, Christ follower. Uh, So what we want to do is make sure we know what that equipment is and we put it on every single day so that we can be effective. Uh, So here in the verse that I'm about to read, this is Paul explaining the six pieces of armor, the six attributes that we need to equip ourselves with. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and I will be reading from the ESV version, which is the English Standard Version. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
So what we see is sometimes we concern ourselves with what people see instead of what's inside. Now, while the armor here is in reference to parts of a soldier's equipment, those attributes that we're going to go over, they have to do more with our internal being. They're not tangible items um, or our physical flesh. So the battle against evil and darkness should not be done physically, but spiritually. And too often we're relying on physical or verbal means to defend and to attack or our own abilities. But what we should do is we should focus on spiritual means given to us in this verse, and that's of truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the spirit, which in this context is referring to the word of God. So before we go through each of them, why is it that we need this armor? As seen in the first two verses, 10 through 13, we must put on the whole armor of God every day so we can stand strong in God stand firm against the devil, and fight against darkness and evil, which are some big things. Because our struggles are not just with each other. They're not just with other humans, but also with the devil. And I have to say frequently, even with ourselves. We create a lot of our problems. um, So we have to do our due diligence to be prepared, whether it's our own doing or someone else's making. Uh, We um, must Find, we sometimes find ourselves in a pit of despair, wondering how or why did I get here? And unfortunately, many of us are in the pit or we stay in um, difficult situations and tough seasons longer than we actually need to because we did not start seeking and obeying God until the weight of our situation became too unbearable for us to take on in our own standing. So here I emphasize that in this verse, all six pieces are important. All six pieces are necessary because a soldier cannot leave off the helmet. They can't forget the shoes. They need the sword. All of the pieces are important and relevant. Um, So we want to make sure that we have all of those things so that we are standing firm against the devil, against darkness, against evil. So looking first at the belt of truth, the belt of truth. So by definition, the word truth means the state of being true, what is fact or what is actually reality. So in Proverbs 35, it says that every word of God proves true. Every word. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So in ancient times, it was common for soldiers to wear tunics or robe-like items. And so when they're fighting, it was not like how we fight today. Most of the time, it was very hands-on experience. It was one-to-one combat. And so they needed this belt to make sure that they had everything tucked in. So it was tucking in their clothes. It was also a place um, for storage. So that's what is equated to the truth here, that we have to tuck in the truth. We have to secure ourselves. We don't want anything falling down. So we need the belt to to keep us snug and secure and to get rid of anything that hinders us or anything that might be a lie or our false sense of reality that we oftentimes make up in our heads. Um, And I got really fascinated looking into each of these items. And just from a doctor and psychological standpoint, um, they've shown lots of information that when people come and talk to them, there's 
uh, three lies that most predominantly get told to them, uh, that people believe. So the first one is that I'm helpless. The second lie, I'm unlovable. And the third lie, I'm worthless. So we sometimes feel helpless when we can't control a situation, which happens quite often. Uh, We feel unloved by possibly imperfect parents, the absence of a husband or children, the neglect from a spouse, and we feel worthless oftentimes when we struggle or when we fail. And our feelings should not reign supreme over a God who tells us that we matter. We're not helpless. God is our help. We're not unlovable. God loves us. We're not worthless because our worth comes from him. And Jesus himself said it best in John 8, 44. For he, referring to Satan, is a liar and the father of lies. So what we struggle oftentimes as women is the lies that have been told to us or the lies that we just let ourselves um, fester in. So we combat those lies with knowing the truth. And we see what the Bible says about whatever situation it is that we are currently facing. Because arming ourselves with truth means that we believe every single thing that God says. Every single thing. And we're diligent in checking our thoughts, our attitude, and our behavior. So moving on to the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. So looking here at the definition for righteousness, we are seeing that it's being made right being morally right or justifiable or virtuous. So this is right standing with God. And Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What are we seeking first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not what we think we can do or what other people can do. Um, So in regards to the breastplate, this is protection that's on the largest part of the body. So it's protecting the heart. It's protecting all of our vital organs. And we should live in obedience. God's righteousness then will cover us. He is the commanding officer of the war. We're merely living in surrender and service to him. And I want to point out here and put some focus that when it says righteousness, we're not talking about what the world says is right or what we equate to what equals right, Um, but it's what is in God's eyes that are right. So oftentimes we think it's right if we're the perfect wife and we're the perfect daughter and the perfect mom and we cook really good and we have a clean house. We've got the new car. I got my good grades. I was nice to people. I have lots of friends. I might be popular. No, that's not what right is. Um, we are the finished work of the cross. It's not about our work, but his finished work. And our works are then just a byproduct of our salvation. We're then serving him because we have a relationship and because we love him and we want to be obedient to him. Um, So righteousness here is referring to God's sovereignty over our lives. We're putting what is right, him, in our lives. So what is right, him, in our lives. We should be who he's called us to be, and we should do what he's called us to do. That's living in righteousness. So I'm called to be a Christ follower who believes and obeys, and I am called to be a disciple and to spread the gospel. So God is always going to be my top priority. Now we look at the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. So peace 
is freedom from disturbance, tranquility, and calmness. Ah, everybody's like, deep breath. <laughs> Romans 14, 9. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So shoes, if you're wearing the right ones, not the big heels, keep us anchored and firm. They help us move well. And in um, Roman times, the soldiers were very strategic about their footwear. They would even go so far as where these, to wear these boots where they had nails in them. So they got even like better in the ground, kind of like the soccer players with their cleats. They want to be able to have that type of movement. Um, so here we see um, peace equated to the shoes, um, where we need this peace, this type of protection for our mind, our heart, for our spirit. We should have peace internally, and then we should work to live peacefully with other people. So worry, and I'm just going to go through a list here. Worry, anxiety, stress, fear, guilt, shame, rejection, comparison, warped mindset, anger, jealousy, negativity, busyness takes us out of peace. So peace is not the absence of struggle. Peace is not the absence of struggle. Um, but the ability to walk through all things with joy that God is with us. And peace is knowing that God has the final say and victory is having a relationship with him. That's it. Victory is having a relationship with him. It's not victory what we think it looks like. We have to use wisdom in the people that we're around, the activities that we participate in, and the mindset and attitude that we have. And I would really say to focus on that for a lot of us, because a lot of us are being very mindful of where we go and who we spend time with. Um, But nobody is able to check our mind. I'm able to check, like, you shouldn't be with those friends, but I don't know what's going on in her head. And that's something that we really have to take um, ownership of. So remember, he's bigger than your past mistakes, your hurts, and your wounds. So peace is for you. And our ultimate peace comes from a relationship with him. And I'm going to take a moment and spend a little bit more time on this one because peace is the one that I have to make sure that I arm myself with extra every single day. Um, So I have a tendency to stress out. I know that this is a struggle that I have. And so I've tried to combat this with uh, specific scriptures that I'll say over myself as I'm walking out of school when I'm like, ah, I can't stand the kids anymore. Uh, when I, and I, I worked really carefully to, with my schedule um, and prioritizing what I need to keep and what needs to go because I know I have a predisposition to getting stressed out, to worrying about things. And so I was very grateful two weeks ago when I had been trying already in preparation for this lesson to work on my peace. Multiple things happened that were a struggle and were completely out of my control. And you all know this. Things happened to us, were not planned, and now we have to deal with them. So my mom was needing extra assistance from her chemo treatment. My grandpa had passed away. And one of my best friends was in the hospital with major health issues trying to give birth to a premature baby. So on top of my daily responsibilities of going to work and of doing things at the church... And then just responsibilities with family and friends. I found myself running around from hospital to hospital, from Mansfield to Dallas, all over the place. Um, I was overwhelmed. I had moments of stress. And I had to remind myself, take a breath. God is in control. He's my source. 
Having him is my peace. And it does nothing for my life when I worry. And yes, I, there were moments where I was not in peace. And I had to get on to myself. I specifically knew when my mom, my mom was like, you're kind of grumpy today. <laughs> Thanks, mom. So, but it was true because I was out of peace. I was stressed and overwhelmed. And what was happening, it was now being projected onto my mom for anything that, was, that agitated me. Um, so... What I did, though, is I did not live or linger in those moments, okay? Instead, I sought what the Word says, and I spent time in prayer, and I had my worship music blasted on to and from the hospital trips. And that's the point, is that we, we will have those moments where life is actually quite overwhelming, and we have things that we really have to deal with, uh, but it cannot be our existence. And I go back to thinking of that, you know, pit analogy, uh, where so many times we just let ourselves go down, down, down into the hole. I mean, there's nothing wrong with falling over. There's nothing wrong with getting dirt on yourself, getting a little blood, but we don't need to be all the way down there. We don't need to be all the way down there. Um, so next, we're going to look at the shield of faith. The shield of faith. So faith is complete trust and confidence in someone or something. So belief. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whatever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. So the shield in Roman times often was covering their entire body. I mean, this was a huge, massive thing. Um, And what they would do with the shield is they would purposely dip the shield in water because they were going to be having fiery arrows that were going to be shot at them. So the intention was that when the arrow hits the shield, um, that there's a, it's going to go out a lot easier. Um, So here we see that we should reject lies They should be put out like the fiery arrows to the water-soaked shield. And instead, we should choose obedience. And as as cliche as it sounds, because God's way is the best way. We've all tried other ways. It didn't work out for us. So let's not do that again. Um, So faith correlates to our direct relationship with God. Faith is knowing that God will take care of you, even if it doesn't look like what you think it should. Faith is believing that God is bigger than anything you have faced, you are facing, or that you will face. Faith is knowing God is bigger than your marital issues, your financial problems, work struggles, family dysfunctions, health concerns, or anything that weighs on your heart and on your mind. And the Bible tells us that if we're struggling with faith, we read his word and we ask, get rid of my unbelief and give me faith instead. So now we move to the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. So salvation is deliverance from sin, acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and obedience to God. So John 5.24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the helmet is used here because a large part of the battle comes from the mind. We have to protect and renew our mind daily. Our thoughts can reaffirm truth or dwell on the lies. And it's not okay to just watch our actions, but not to watch our thoughts. 
So in this context, Paul is speaking specifically about people who have already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and must have assurance in that relationship. Because the relationship should be progressing. It shouldn't just be, I said this prayer, or I did this task, or I had this feeling. It should be a, um, a step every day. We are, we are doing better. We are obeying more. We're praying more. We're reading more. We're helping other people more. Uh, not just because we're supposed to, but because we want to. Because we want to. So salvation goes beyond acknowledging that God exists. We just can't be a believer, but a disciple, a Christ follower in all things. Then we get to do all those awesome things like spread the gospel to other people. So here's where I encourage you not to stay stagnant in your relationship with God, but to seek him in a deeper and more committed way because we don't reach the final end of our growth process until we're with him. Now we have the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit. Our sixth one. So the spirit here is specifically referring to the word of God. It's referring to the Bible. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. We don't always like those two. For reproof and correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in Bible times, a soldier's primary weapon was his sword. So the primary weapon that we have is the Bible. Um, How do we know what is true? How do we put on God's righteousness? How do we have faith, dwell in peace, have assurance of our salvation? By utilizing the Bible. And everyone discounts this final piece of armor, which is unfortunate because it's the one that sustains all of the others. The word of God, we have to know it. We have to apply it. It has the answer for everything. You have to read it daily, memorize it. It's the game plan, the strategy book, the ultimate how-to self-help book. It's easier to stay in his will when scripture is ingrained in your heart and in your mind. Because if I don't know scripture, then I'm walking out of school and I'm just like, well, I don't know. But if I have it memorized, I'm like battling it up to the car and I'm battling it up wherever I'm going. It has to be um, written on our hearts. And I want you to take note that going to the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he referred to God's word every single time to fight the temptation and to reveal the truth to the devil. Okay, every single time. So I say we follow in Jesus' suit there and we combat all the lies and all the issues with the word of God. So how do we then put on this armor and how do we keep it on? We have to take personal responsibility to equip ourselves in truth, in righteousness, in peace, in faith, in salvation, and in the spirit through prayer. So we're taking personal responsibility that this equipment is available and that we're going to place it on ourselves and do this through praying and communicating with God. And our prayers should align with God's word and his will. And re-looking at verse 18 in Ephesians, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, the good occasions and the bad occasions, because we're staying alert. We're being persistent in our prayers for all believers everywhere. 
And over and over again, women will share with me whatever issue or struggle or whatever. It could be a number of things that people will share with me. And I have to tell you, it is an absolute honor when somebody comes and feels comfortable to share things with me. Um, And I love to listen and encourage and pray for people. But sometimes when I talk to people, my first response to them is, have you prayed? Have you read your Bible? And then they get a very funky look on their face. And they will sometimes fess up and say, no. And then sometimes there'll be some sort of scrambled answer so they don't feel bad about themselves or they're not embarrassed. And I just think we downplay the importance of prayer and the importance of reading our Bible. Yes, we are meant to, iron sharpens iron. And yes, we are meant to have community with each other and to get assistance Um, But that's not where it should start. We should have already been like, you know what? This is hard. And I've been praying and I've been reading my Bible and I want you to partner with me. I want you to help and encourage me. It shouldn't be like, well, I didn't do anything. So now can you do everything for me? And that's what happens sometimes. Because the spiritual warfare that we face, it can wear us down if we're not living with these attributions, if we're not living with this equipment, and we can walk around so defeated and dejected and sad and when we are not combating the evil that really does exist in this world. Um, spiritual strength needs to sustain us. And this soldier analogy is powerful. We should report to the commander-in-chief. He's the ultimate one who's trained and equipped, just the same way as battles work. And then he tells us what we need to do. He leads us, he guides us to the victory uh, that he promises in his word. And I was reading lots of articles and I came across a pastor named Dennis Jones. And this is what he said. No soldier puts on his armor after the battle and after everything has been thrown at him. That's as bad as putting on the suntan lotion after you already have been sunburned and have been in the sun for hours. It's not going to work. Sorry. You're going to be a lobster for a while. So the goal here then is to equip yourself and to keep alert. Equip yourself and keep alert. So a soldier, a builder, police officer, a nurse, fireman, teacher, a manager, whatever it may be, is not effective without the right tools for their craft. We know this. We get frustrated when we go to the cash register and they don't have any of the receipt printed, the the receipt stuff. We're like, you don't got it together today. So, I mean, we have to have the right tools. It's like even super like simplistic things. We have to have the things we need in daily life, and we need that in our spiritual life also. Because we're not effective in fighting our cause, which is to be strong in God and to fight the devil and and evil without the right armor. All the armor is needed all of the time. Because when we aren't equipped, it's much easier to turn to sin for comfort and moments of pleasure. And when we aren't equipped, we will not have joy and fullness of God. Wearing all the armor brings victory. Victory that our Lord has us. Um, We do not want to get caught unprepared. And oftentimes we blame God or others for our misfortunes. We have the power to withstand all that comes against us through the armor that God has offered. So the equipment is available. It's our choice whether or not we put it on. The equipment is available. It is here. Do we decide every day to put it on or not? Because truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the Spirit are all essential to our walk with God. 
God makes us strong and helps us fight the enemy when we equip ourselves with all of these pieces. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word that gives us very clear, very purposeful instructions. And I ask, Lord, that you work in our lives um, and that we do our due diligence um, to be mindful of these six pieces of equipment that you have given us as we go about our daily lives, as we face real struggles, a world that is turned upside down and far away from you. And God, I just ask that you Remind us every day of the importance of these, that we be mindful to put on truth and faith, salvation, peace, that we're in your word all of the time. Um, That we look at our own individual lives and we see what area do I need to work on? What area am I struggling in? What area do I need to wake up in the morning and be mindful that I need that piece of equipment to make it through the day? to serve you well, to love people well, to be effective in wherever I am, for my own self and for those around me. Uh, Lord, we honor you today. I thank you for these ladies, God. Whatever they may be going through, I pray over them. I pray that you give them um, faith, that you give them peace, that you lead and you guide them, that they will do their part in seeking you, in seeking you in all that they do. In your name we pray. Amen.